0: And wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die. Welcome back to another edition of the Toronto till I die, Toronto, Toronto till I die podcast my name is michael singh and we've got a bunch to get to on today's episode if you guys stick around long enough some positive news as well maybe some some news about the summer but we appreciate everybody joining us once again yeah we're already seeing the oh danny Dicchio chance in the chat shout out happy anniversary says last crime one that just means it's a great day to be doing the podcast today unfortunately back-to-back weeks there's no Mitchell Tierney or Jeffrey Pinesker on today's edition Jeff he says he's not doing it because of the Arsenal Tottenham game but I'll leave that up to you guys to to decide Mitch Mitch is still trying to get the time change right as as we've, we pointed out a couple weeks back Mitch is, isn't very good with time changes so no Mitch no Jeff but we've made a call to the bench bringing on one of our super subs the host of our sister show at the tunnel club sean what's going on man thank you for doing this
1: yeah you're very welcome no problem at all you know Uh, i actually took the afternoon off so i could actually relax and do the show versus doing it while i'm in my car
0: oh my god that is to appreciate that we appreciate the dedication i'm sure our listeners will as well and it's always great to get a A unique, fresh voice on the show. Put me and Mitch, Jeff, back in check. You know, maybe bring us back to reality. And that's sort of what's been happening right now with Toronto FC. Uh, I wrote about this, you know, earlier this week. It's been a little bit of a reality check with the Reds. Uh, They've now lost four straight games after a... I would say the most... This includes two losses to FC Cincinnati, by the way. But I would still say the most frustrating loss of this recent run, at least, you know, that one nil defeat to the Vancouver Whitecaps, Sean, let me ask you, uh, just initial takeaways. I know you guys already did the show on this, but just now that you have a, you've had a couple days to digest it. Initial takeaways.
1: I'm still frustrated. Um, I'm not as angry as I was on Sunday. You know, like most of us, you know, we all felt we got robbed. Um, but the way I, what I'm more frustrated about is, TFCs may or may not make the playoffs. So I'm not really too stressed over that. But if this was, like, if this came down to a point or two at the end of the season, a game like this, you know, a result like that, a bad call, which MLS has already admitted the refs made a mistake. So, you know, like, things like that, that bothers me. Because, yes, we understand, you know what, refs are human. They make these mistakes. But we all saw the same video. So, I don't know how they got it wrong, even when you have DAR. So, that's where I'm frustrated about. It's not even the fact that, like, it yeah, it hurt our team. We haven't been playing well, but that could have been, you know, a, a positive versus a negative the way, the way they were going. But yeah, frustration is probably the best way for me to cap it off.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think, let's just, of course, let's talk about the call first. Jaden Nelson, ball pops free off a rebound. A, a, a goal that probably Alejandro Pozzuolo probably should have tucked away in the back of the net, but we'll get a, we'll touch on Pozzuolo a little bit more in this show uh, a little bit later on. And then Jaden Nelson pounces on that rebound immediately goal. Like that's my first reaction to all of this because what reason could it be that it wasn't a goal? And then you hear that the referee's whistle goes and he's calling for a foul. And I get worried because my initial reaction to that moment was, can this be reviewed? Can they review a a foul that took place prior to a goal actually crossing the line. Right. Well, lo and behold, I came away from that moment still thinking that because the call, for whatever reason, was not overturned. Now, we have acknowledgement from Pro, great article, by the way, by the Toronto Sun, Steve Buffery, getting Bill Manning's comments on the situation where he acknowledges that Pro made a mistake. Pro acknowledged that to Bill saying they made a mistake on the goal. It should have been overturned. Now, I actually I had the opportunity to talk to Bob Bradley about this yesterday, get his reaction. So we heard it after the game. But his reaction to sort of what Pro said. And I asked him straight up, like, does that make you feel any better? That Pro acknowledged the fact that they're, they made a mistake. And it... Bob Bradley is as blunt as it comes and he's just straight up like, no, like it, it it doesn't make me feel better. And it's not like we get points back because of it. Exactly. So as you, as you pointed out, Sean, if this comes back at the end of the season and TFC missed the playoffs by two, three points, we're going to be looking right at this game and being like, it was right there, but that wasn't the only reason they lost the game. No No. credit to, Credit to TFC, actually, before we dive into it a little bit, because they were missing eight regulars, eight first-team players for the second time this season. Uh, second time in, in, in five five days. So you have to give them credit for that, for their fight, because I honestly believe they were the better team for the majority of that match. There was a stint in the second half where they were sort of hanging on there, but TFC dictated play at BC Place in Vancouver without many of their their key pieces. So I got to commend them for that. But when you look at the chances that they missed, namely the Alejandro Pozuelo penalty, and then conceding in that fashion at that time of the game, to our guy Tosaint Rickett, shout out, by the way. I mean, we didn't, we didn't really love to shout him out after that moment, but shout out Tosaint because that was his first MLS goal in almost two years. He buries us like that. So, I mean, that leaves a sour taste in your mouth, doesn't it, Sean?
1: Oh, big time. Um, And specifically the pause penalty miss. Um, You know, I was, me and Mike were tweeting back and forth uh, as the game's going on. And funny enough, I didn't say it to him, but I was like, my gut was like, I don't want pause to take this penalty. And it was just like, he may bury them 99% of the time, but I just did not feel comfortable with him taking it this time. I personally wanted Jimenez because he's got he's on a hot streak. He's been our best striker or just our best goal scorer. Give him the, the chance. Um, yeah, but I do understand. Pause is you know his record has earned him the right to take penalties. But he, in my opinion, he should the bet playing and simple.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so for for background, what Sean's alluding to, ninety nine percent of pauses penalties. I mean that's almost accurate as pause has never missed a penalty for a Toronto FC in his career and I say never because he technically has one miss in his career but if you think back to that moment Sean do you remember off the top of your head what that miss was
1: No, miss. no I I I'm gonna put the miss about...
0: in quotation marks All right I'll I'll give it I'll give it 20 seconds if anyone else in the chat can remember Pozuelo's only miss for Toronto FC and I'll give a hint it came I believe it was against the Vancouver Whitecaps as well. Yeah, and yeah, we got we got some answers that are bang on. I've been saying Piatti, and we got the Piatti disaster, Graham as well. Yeah, everyone knows, everyone knows. So that was when Alejandro Pozuelo decided to be cheeky with with his best friend Pablo, put his foot on the ball, laid off, and it obviously did not go go quite to plan. I think. I think it was encroachment by Piatti. He left uh, a little bit too early, if I can recall. So that was Pozilla's only miss heading into that moment. But I was on the same kind of boat as you there, Sean, where I'm like, I don't know if, if he's going to tuck this away. It did just, I don't know whether it was body language or what it was, but I just, yeah, I had a bit of a gut feeling in my stomach that this was going to go wrong. And of course it did. And a miss like that, TFC is actually first penalty of the season. Um, miss like that comes back to bite you in the butt. So, you know, it, yes, pro did TFC some harm, a lot of harm. But at the same time, TFC did themselves no favor with Pozuelo's missed penalty and, of course, the missed chances. So now we're looking at, at four straight losses. Again, albeit with a shorthanded Toronto FC team. But it's four straight losses. I think Axis have pointed this out earlier in the chat. Um, It's the teams that they lost to. Vancouver wasn't last place in Major League Soccer. They, I mean, come on. Our second team, which is why I tweeted this out. It was virtually our second team out there, plus a few other players, that pretty much played them off their own park. And they couldn't come away with a victory. And that was as Axis of is pointing out, that was after a huge win against Philadelphia. So their momentum was riding high. They kind of got humbled in New York. And then it's been sort of downhill from there. So Sean, let me let me ask you how how can we really sum up this this recent poor stretch from Toronto FC, these last four games? How do you sum it up?
1: I think that I think the biggest problem from a fan's perspective is the wins, especially when you count the win against Philly and the one before that against DC, I think we kind of may have gotten too high. Yeah. And these losses, I mean, more than New York loss, because let's be real, the last three losses are somewhat unexplainable when you look on paper who the opponent was, right? Even with a weakened lineup, you still figured we've got enough strength within a, a weaker team to handle FC Cincinnati and Vancouver White So I think we're back down to like, we're not as bad as we've looked in say the last two or three games, Mm -hmm. but we're definitely not as good as we look when we play field. We're, we're going to, we are potentially might be fighting for a playoff team. That's where we're at. We're not. Somewhere in the middle. Close to, yeah. But we're still not like, you know, we're a few pieces away from maybe making that, that run. But again, I still don't think, I think we're, I don't think we need to focus so solely on the playoffs this season. Because I think that would be a bonus like icing on the cake but I think getting the team to buy into the Bob Bradley system is the should be the priority so yeah I think we're more on the lower end of the middle
0: yeah it's funny that you're you're talking about the expectations of this team this year because that was an answer I tried to get out of a couple people yesterday so first I talked to Jacob Schaffelberg and I asked him that, how confident I guess are you that this team as currently constructed, and perhaps, you know, with the addition of a few pieces in the summer, how confident are you that they can compete for an MLS Cup this year? And, of course, you know, Schaffelberg, a player on the team, confident, right? That's pretty much what his answer was. He said, once we get everyone going, everyth- everything's he- everyone's healthy, you know, we've gone through a really pretty rough stretch, we've been pretty unlucky. Once we start getting some of those bounces, I, I fully believe that this team can compete for an MLS Cup. And then I, then I posed the same question to Bob Bradley. And he doesn't want to publicly disclose any expectations for this team. He essentially dodged the question and went on a pretty uh, pretty good tangent about how it, it it's hard work. And that's what they're trying to do with all of this hard work. Didn't really say we're going to compete for an MLS Cup this year. I'm confident we're going to do it. Didn't say we're not going to do it but kind of just is shying away from that expectation. So is that a is that a good move Sean in your opinion that he doesn't have to to come out and say this is what we're trying to do because we do know that this is going to be a long-term rebuild and a long-term project. But there is still a part of me that feels with the addition of Lorenzo and a couple other notable pieces they could potentially be a dark horse here.
1: Potentially yes, but but the bigger concern for me is that How far will they drop between now and what mid end of July when Insignia is here? Like that's almost two months, over two months in fact. If you're looking time frame from right now, that's a lot. You'll be here July
0: July second.
1: Okay, so basically, just so just under, but six matches.
0: You'll be at the halfway point of the year,
1: right? So six more matches. I I mean, they have the enough that. They can be the kind of team nobody really wants to play in a one-off playoff, right? But are they deep enough to go far? I don't know, right? Even with – if people because I just don't see everybody fully gelling by the end of the season because I still think there's players that just won't be – that are here right now that won't be here next year. And, sure. I, you know, like I love J- Jacob Schaffelberg. But we've seen his struggles on the defensive side adapting to a new position. It might take him the whole season to adjust and to get there. And that, you know, we've seen the struggles, you know, turn to goals against. And we, if, you know, we're already probably the number one in, uh, goals against in the league right now. There's a Conference.
0: Well, second league.
1: But, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of areas that we need to improve on between now and playoffs. And I don't just don't think it's gonna happen all in one season. And I'm not stressed over that. I, I've come to a point where I'm like, you know what? I'm probably better off just accepting like if they have if certain players grow, especially the young guys, I want to really just see the young guys adapt and be ready. That's my that's where I'll be happy. I don't think because even if we do make the playoffs, we're not, I just don't see us as an MLS Cup contender. So I'm kind of okay with Bob not kind of being that, all right, this is what we're going for because it's almost like he's tempering the expectations that a lot of us have had in the past. We've had this TFC is a big club. We're always going to be fighting for trophies. Well, we needed to do this rebuild a while back. Let's do it right. And if that means a season of no, you know, no con- uh, Canadian championship finals, no pl- MLS playoffs. I'm okay with that. If that means come next year, we get it all together.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! We we still might get the twenty twenty Canadian, Canadian Championship, Canadian Championship final. We still might get that trophy, eh?
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and that would be you know great. Um, but we don't like. Let's see. Let's get healthy right now, so that by that time we have more of a a, a, a senior roster.
0: Okay, so so let me ask you. Let me ask you. One to ten, how comfortable are you trusting this process? Because it seems like you're pretty you're pretty content.
1: I have to give him, I'm going to say eight and a half. I would have said a lot higher when we were doing better, but I've come to a realization. You know, I, I wonder if Bob Bradley has kind of let go of too many pieces too quickly. I understand maybe a lot of them just weren't, like, needed to go. But, you know, the recent struggles have just shown areas that, I don't think we have anyone in the pipeline that can fill the roles that, that we've had in the past, like a Mark Delgado. Um, I don't know if we have somebody in the pipeline, pipeline ready to step in and, and take over Michael Bradley's role. You know, We have guys that are, have shown moments, but I don't know if they're really ready. So I'm, I'm going to give it I, – I don't know if he, he's – like I said, he's gotten the full control. He's made a lot of changes over the off season. I don't know if he's rushed it. At first, I thought everything was going great, but now I'm wondering, maybe he's kind of, like I said, let out, let go of a few players a season too early.
0: You mentioned an interesting point with Michael Bradley, and I actually don't have this on the rundown, so I'm going to kind of put Sean on the spot here. And I wanted to ask you straight up, can Toronto FC still win an MLS Cup with Michael Bradley playing this role this many minutes?
1: I don't believe so. Even with the players that come in, or that are coming in I believe he has a, a role to play but not necessarily as a consistent start there are moments that's where I feel fair. he'd be better suited coming off the bench but the reality is, is we don't have somebody stepping right now
0: yeah yeah no that that that's completely fair I personally I kind of disagree um I think Michael Bradley... I thought Sunday was one of his strongest games, actually. And that was coming off three consecutive 90 minutes in the same week. So we talk about, you know, maybe lowering his minutes a bit because he is getting up there in age. For me, he's one of the few players that kind of looks like they're getting stronger as the season is going on. And I don't necessarily... I know people are quick to point the fingers at Bradley which is kind of understandable at some point because it's very obvious when TFC are defending in transition, he is kind of the guy who kind of gets stuck out and people see him tracking back not as quickly as he used to. But I still think he he has it in him to play an important role for Toronto FC as long as he gets more help. Because if you look at the game on Sunday, he's doing that beside two guys who don't play central midfield he's doing that i mean that speaks volumes to kind of what he's being asked to do in the center of the park and yet tfc for the most part they're still finding ways to compete in matches he's doing that in front of a back line that is tfc's second choice black line all across the four positions all those guys that paid played on saturday or, or was that the game? saturday yeah oh was it sunday yeah, sorry. Uh, this weekend, this weekend. <laughs> All those guys are second choice pieces there in the back line. And he's doing that in front of them. So I'm not personally not too quick to write off Michael Bradley. But that being said, I take your point because you're not alone in saying that. And there are moments where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I wish we had someone who was quicker there in that position to kind of make up that ground. But I wonder if they can fill that gap. In a different way, but that remains to be seen, and we might not get that answer this year, Sean. As we kind of discussed, because TFC might not even compete for an MLS Cup. I personally, I, I still believe they they could be a dark horse, but right now they definitely do not do not look like that team. But let's switch to something more positive, a little bit more positive vibes. I asked our guest last week, Anthony Corey, on the show the same question, and it's about the young players. And I want to know which young player, Sean, has impressed you the most so far this season.
1: Um, I think it's, for me, it would be be Jaden Nelson. Um, I think he's made a a noticeable improvement from what we've seen from him last year. And one of the things I've noticed is that, you know, he may have a game where he looks like he tries too hard. He tries to beat too many players. And then you notice by the next game, it's like Bob is able throughout the week to kind of point out the areas that, all right, we don't need you to do that. We need you to, you know what? You beat one guy. Great. But, you know, slow it down. Maybe look for one of your teammates, you know, allow them to catch up. And you notice Mm -hmm. that in him on Sunday, that he played, he was a lot more controlled in his, uh, when he had possession of the ball. Um, So for me, it's been, it was, I would say he's number one, Um, two other guys. I will, I have to touch on that again. They just, you know, First year first teamers, uh, Kosi Thompson and Luca Petrasso. Those two next to me have shown that they're ready for MLS. They just need more seasoning, and it will come yeah. in time. But they they're not. They don't look lost, and that's the biggest thing.
0: That uh, absolutely those those three are easily the ones who have taken advantage of sort of this opportunity the most. Um, and I thought Jaden. Yeah, I agree with you. He found himself in a lot of good spaces on Sunday. And that's been something Bob has been pushing at adjacent or Jade um, is essentially what you said is he's getting in good spots, but can you be more efficient in that final third? Can you get, can you do something, I guess, in that final third that actually puts a score on the board for your team? Because you know, he has the talent, you know, he can take on defenders 1v1. He can get himself in, in dangerous positions almost better than anyone else on this team right now can you take advantage? And that'll be what we'll have to watch uh, out of Jaden Nelson. But I'm with you. Like this guy looks like a completely different player than we saw last season. He's playing with a lot more confidence. um, And you could you're literally seeing the development in front of our eyes. I'm I'm interested to see kind of what he looks like come the end of the year and how much he has broken through because unlucky for him on the weekend, not to get that goal. uh, It would have been a second of the season. Go ahead, Sean.
1: So here's a question, because me and Mike were talking about this. Um, What's going to happen when Insigne comes? Where is Jaden Nelson going to play?
0: Yeah, it's a a great question. And I think that's something Jaden actually knows. He's known that for the start of the season, that when Insigne does arrive, it's going to be tight for minutes for him. Now, I would say he'll be a player that comes off the bench. And that's a great luxury for TFC to have because now it's not just Jaden Nelson, the kid with an incredible amount of talent being thrown into the game to give you energy. Now it's Jaden Nelson, the kid with an incredible amount of talent who has legitimate MLS minutes under his belt coming off the bench and trying to make a difference in the the match. As Axis is saying in the chat, he would be dangerous with, with his fresh legs, but he won't be the only one that's going to have to move to to the bench come the summertime because we're looking at guys like, for example, Luca Petrasso. What a luxury it is bringing some guy like Luca Petrasso off the bench in the summer, or Jacob Schaffelberg. What a luxury Jacob Schaffelberg's legs would be off the bench. And all of a sudden, now we're talking about a little bit of a deeper Toronto FC team. Uh, I would also like to note to your question, is Jaden's also capable of playing anywhere across sort of that front three as well as the number 10. So he's shown already this season he can play on the right wing. Um, and I think it's going to be some good, healthy competition just for everybody um, across that front three, front four. So yeah, minutes will def- definitely be tougher to come by for Jaden. And that's why this this stretch of games is so important for him to kind of take advantage. Because once Lorenzo and- Insigne arrives, as you pointed out, opportunity is definitely going to come fewer and further between so great point there um and i just want to give a quick a quick shout out to two other guys who have actually been making some noise two other youngsters uh first one is deandre kerr fantastic game in my opinion over the weekend playing central midfield a position i don't think he's ever played before um and he did he did really really well um all things considered and that's coming off another a couple other Good stints for DeAndre after a rough start to the season. He yeah. he got pulled off at halftime in the first game against FC Dallas. All the way back, it feels like forever ago. But a couple months back, there against FC Dallas, he got pulled off at halftime, and it took a couple games for him to get back to the lineup and earn, earn Bob's trust. But about five games in, six games in, he managed to to come off the bench, and it was against that New York City FC game in that that crazy five four game where he actually headed in a goal unfortunate break he actually I, think, I believe he suffered a concussion on that play a minor concussion which is what caused him to miss the next match and a half um and now he's he's again getting these opportunities i think he's kind of slowly taking advantage and the other guy is is jordan Perusa, and he's been getting a lot more minutes there's times where i think he he could be the first guy or second guy off the bench right now for bob bradley he's being taken off the bench in front of Iowa Canola right now. So I want to give a quick shout out to Jordan, kind of the work he's putting in. He looks like he's definitely getting better game in game out. He's a guy who scored bunches at every level he's played at. I think it's eventually going to come in MLS because the the talent is there. The talent's absolutely there. Um, So I just wanted to give a quick shout out to, to both of those guys and, as as we kind of summed up already, this is going to be great for the team moving forward. Just a lot of young guys getting minutes right now. Now, and
1: go ahead. Just go a ahead. point: if you for when it comes to the young guys, even the, the TFC two guys who've gotten some minutes so far, they haven't looked out of place. Like now, it's usually you know late late in the game they're getting coming in, but at least they've kind of come in and shown that you know what. Maybe another year or so, we might have a, another few players that'll be ready for the first team. So I've been impressed as a whole with majority of them. I don't really think there's any that have like, I mean, I, I don't like to really consider Jacob part of that, that young group. He would be probably the only one that struggled so far this the season of the quote, unquote young guys.
0: Yeah. It, it's been, it's been tough adjusting to, to a new position, but hopefully this bodes well long-term because now that he gets this, these minutes under his belt at a different position he's probably more comfortable than the first game of the season when, when he was thrown into the fire there against FC Dallas. And I know he's mentioned to me that that's a position John Herdman potentially sees him at in the future is as a left wing back. So he just, he's just adding um, more versatility to his repertoire. I agree with you. It hasn't been all, all great for Jacob. Um, he's actually battling a lower body injury right now. There's There's a slight chance he's back for the weekend, but I, at this point, I'm I'm not too optimistic about it, but let's see how we how we rebounds here, and maybe this time off, stepping away from kind of kind of the chaos, gives does him some well as he's able to observe uh, the position a little bit better. Now, moving on here, we're gonna discuss an interesting question because he's very polarizing right now. Among the fan base, and I'm referring to Alejandro Pozuelo. Sean, how would you rate Pozuelo's season so far?
1: That's a hard one. Um, I, like if I'm going to rate it out of ten, I'm going to say he's been maybe a six. Um, okay. and I think there's been moments where he's been he's been pretty good but not necessarily the MVP caliber now he is being asked to play a different role so we have to mm-hmm. understand there's a big change but for sure like in the last game I just there was his body language didn't show somebody that was all there and it like outside of that penalty there were other opportunities in the game and other times where he just looked like you know I saw him running into his own players at other t- a couple times like I just felt he was off something was off about him and like I said, he just th- there is a bit of an adjustment to a new coach, a new playing style, being asked to kind of play a, a different role than what you're used to playing. And I, yeah, I I I'm not as ha- as pleased from what I've seen from him, and I know he can do a lot more, but I don't know. I just I'm also wondering, like maybe this is also a sign for the future that the team needs to have a hard look at is this the right dp for us right now things could change once insigne comes where there's less pressure on him he's no longer the focal point of the defensive uh, attack he can maybe that'll open things up for him i don't know but right now there's definitely something off with this game
0: yeah well as you mentioned he is being asked to do a lot of different things i just want to quickly point out he has two goals four assists through 11 matches this season that's already more than his his total through all of last season. So he's definitely better than where he was last year. I mean, the biggest part is that he's managed to stay healthy, and I don't he's I think he's played the most minutes on Toronto FC so far this season. So I do want to commend him for for that aspect. I think as many people have pointed out, well done in the chat, saying he's shown flashes of his sort of brilliance that he know he's capable of. But it hasn't all come together yet for pause. And as you touched on, Sean, how much of that can be attributed to sort of the position he's he's being asked to play right now? He's being asked to play a right wing. And I, I that takes me back to sort of the Greg Vanny days when when Vanny refused to kind of play him as that number 10 until his, his 2020 season when he only played as his number 10. And the team was kind of built around Pause. Bob Bradley's kind of asking the same thing out of Pozuelo right now. But not only that, he's asking him to, to be more engaged defensively. And I think we are seeing that. I think I saw a lot of that actually on Sunday, aside from a few moments with his body language where a, a, a pass is misplaced. It, it goes too long. You kind of see Pozuelo frustrated that the ball was given away so cheaply when he thought a better pass could have been played. Do you feel for him at all, though? Like, is there... Is there is there any part of you that feels bad
1: for the Spaniard? Not this season. Like we, I do know there was a lot of he had a lot of personal things going on the last was the last season. Um, plus, yeah. his family being away, there was last season was a rough season off. You know, especially um, everything outside of um, the team. But I I can't really feel bad. Like it's it, this is a professional game. You've got to be able to, you know, like a player can't always get it, get what he wants. There's 11 mm-hmm. players on the pitch. It's important that every player plays their role. And I understand that he's more comfortable in a certain role, but it's not always what you don't always get what you want. In life. Sometimes you got yeah. to be right. And I, I agree defensively. He's shown he's definitely um, bought into that. I mean, there's moments where, yeah, he could do better, but that's not, that has not been the focal point of his game. So I'm not going to stress over that. But yeah, I do. I, I, I can't feel bad.
0: The reason I'm asking is not necessarily because what he's being asked to do, but it's it's about the players around him. Like you're asking Pazuelo to link up with Jaden Nelson, DeAndre Kerr. Anyone else coming off like Luca Petrasso. Kaden Chung, Kosey Thompson. You got to imagine that it's frustrating. Yeah, as Grant's pointing out, and, and Ravi as well pointed out in the chat, it's got to be frustrating for, for him to have to constantly try and work with... And this isn't a shot at the young guys because their futures are so bright, but just guys who are not... I, I don't want to say they're they're not MLS ready because they are MLS ready, but they're not starting caliber players at this moment in their career. Would you say that part might be a little bit frustrating for him, especially when you consider that this is a contract year for Pozzuolo, maybe the last year before he gets his big deal. Now do you kind of understand where that frustration is, where I'm asking that question from at least?
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially with, I mean, every game he's playing around different players. So it's also, he's not able to build any, you know, build any kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like but essentially, relationship? Yeah, yeah, he can't build any relation with, with, cause you know, one game he's got one person playing on his left next game it's somebody different, you know, so how can he get used to a, a player or how can a player get used to what he is expected of him when literally every week he's playing with somebody different. Right. So I definitely can see the frustration and understand that part of it and that must suck for many, you know, especially when you're an elite player and you kind of prior to this year, you at least had certain players that you knew could do certain things and you didn't have to, it was just a little bit more, it became started to become more natural with the guys around you. Now you have, again, not, uh, not to blame any of the young guys, but now you've got a whole cast of young, fresh faces who will make mistakes and it's frustrating. Right, even from us from a band, just watching the mistakes they make sometimes, like really. You so you can only imagine how. Yeah,
0: right.
1: So it's got to be even worse when you're right next to that player and you're playing with him, and that pass effects could have been, you know, if the pass came back to you, maybe you could have done something special with it, right? So I can see that mm-hmm. that that frustration. I can definitely understand.
0: For sure, and and pause is a guy. He'll never come out and say it. Like he, he always says the right things. He's always supportive of the young players, but I just feel like you can see it kind of building up at times, especially during that Vancouver game where where that is boiling up a little bit and and he's going to have to stay patient or remain patient because there's help coming. There's there's help on the way to kind of play up to the the caliber that he's he wants to be playing to see the kind of things that he's seeing um because right now he's on a little bit of a different page than than a lot of his teammates. Um, one of the guys is not Jesus Jimenez. They've obviously formed a really good relationship up top there, but they're too isolated at times. And I think that's kind of where the biggest um, gap is right now between between Pozuelo and sort of the rest of the team is that I, I feel like they find themselves too isolated sometimes and they're just not on the same page. So I almost think it's, it's a bit unfair to judge Pozuelo through the first 11 matches of the season because of what the task, I guess, of what he's being asked to do here. He's being asked to essentially carry the offense along with Jimenez for this team right now alongside a bunch of of 19-year-olds. And I just, I think that's a little bit unfair for us to judge him through that lens, at least. But I'm going to make you do it anyways, because this is Toronto Till I Die, and that's what we do on this show. So if you had to put your GM hat on right now, Sean, if you were in Bob Bradley's shoes, Bill Manning's shoes, would you re-sign Alejandro Pazuelo?
1: Do I get to choose uh, what type of contract I'm giving him? It's a DP contract. No. If I'm just making the decision right now today, no, I'm not re-signing him to a DP. Now, my answer can will most likely change at the end of the season, but again, yeah. right now, no. I'm I would be comfortable with TAM or whatever gam or whatever we can give him but not not DP
0: like a like a Michael Bradley max TAM contract I'm fine, fine with fine something with
1: that because it, we still has a DP we still have DP money that we can give towards maybe yeah a, a younger you know somebody that we would want to have for a couple DP contracts you know somebody in you know maybe we'll go for that young DP that we we need to 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 sign versus focusing on guys who have already established. You know, I don't know, but I, I no. right now, no, I'm not giving it to him.
0: No, that's fair, and I imagine you're you're certainly not alone in sort of that sentiment, especially because us, a lot of TFC fans, we definitely have PTSD from from the Josie Altador signing at around this age, because Paz is now not on the uh, the better side of thirty right now, so. Right who knows what the next couple of years for look looks like for him. But what I'll, what I'll say is his class, it's, it's never going to go away. Like he no. is a player that I believe is going to age better than others because he's not as reliant on sort of his physical ability. So that's the one thing. Second is again, what we talked about already is what will, what will this look like in in a couple of months? What kind of player will he look like in a couple of months? But the biggest factor between all of this is what does Bob Bradley think of Pozuelo? And I get the sense that he's not I don't want to say he's not a fan of his, but he's not the biggest fan of of Pozuelo's. In terms, I'm not sure that Pozuelo is Bob Bradley's type of player. And right. if he's going to be the guy running the club, then it ultimately comes down to that relationship between the two. And I again I, I get the sense that it's it's not as smooth sailing as as maybe one would hope between a designated player and, and a coach. But if there's a way that TFC can convince Pozuelo to sign an allocated max TM contract, all in, all day, 150,000%, yeah. you don't even have to think about it. And you might be onto something there because Michael Bradley's contract does expire at the end of the season, there goes that allocation money that we've kind of been investing in him. He told me that money is going to be the last thing anybody ever has to worry about when it comes down to his contract discussions moving forward. You know, if he doesn't care about money. It's going to be what what's best for the club. Now you have to wonder if there is a way they kind of get that done between Pozuelo and the club. That would be super exciting. I think that would turn TFC into a perennial contender as long as Pazuela was here, because as I mentioned, I just, I feel like he'll age like a fine wine, just the, the quality that he has. But again, it's up to Bob Bradley to decide that. Yeah. So let's kind of shift gears a bit and looking at the team now as a whole, you mentioned that they do need help. So Sean, what positions do you think TFC need to shore up this summer?
1: the problem is is i just don't see it all happening this summer but i uh-huh. i still think they need defensive help um at, and i'm i think you need a versatile wing back and another center back uh, because we've already seen mavinga's health is a, is going to be a concern moving forward for the rest of the year i think o'neill's played amazing but he's we should not have to rely on him playing 90 week in week out mm-hmm. and you know I've for the most part been impressed with Salcedo, but I want to see him on the pitch more than I want to read about <laughs> him on the pitch, right um, and McNaughton's looked okay but again I think we need to strengthen up to add two defenders again a, a versatile wing back that can play either side another CB and at least one at least one midfield right? And this is outside of his insignia coming in. I'm saying we need somebody that can maybe help Michael and relieve some of the, the, you know, be that go-between so that Michael doesn't have to, you know, isn't turning the ball over, isn't there isn't, isn't maybe having to push up as high, can focus on more in his defensive, you know, helping out the D. Um, yeah, but that's where, and maybe one more up front, but I'm not even worrying too much about that because Akinola may, you know, give him a little bit more time to get a hundred percent. He looks a little out of shape. I think he just needs to kind of, you know, maybe he's just bulked up more. I don't know, but he doesn't look as trim as he was last season. Um, so I wouldn't mind just to, like give him another couple of weeks to kind of really get game ready and game shape. And I think he can be an addition for up front, but for now, I think I'm a, a mid or two and two D's.
0: Yeah, I, I again, like, yeah, I think that you're kind of speaking for the fan base here. Definitely sees a lot of the same things. Um, I'll pose, I said this to Anthony last week, and I'll pose the same question to you. You said a midfielder there. Is there any potential that Noble Akello or Ralph Preso are able to kind of step in and fill the voids, fill that void um, alongside Azorio, who obviously starts
1: there with Bradley? I don't know. The little bit I've seen of both of them so far is, I mean, Ralph hasn't really played much since he's come back from injury and Nobel's played a bit. Then he's been on injured again. So it's, they haven't really gotten been on the pitch enough to really say whether they can, but I don't know if they're ready. Right. What about I the Ralph went, from
0: last season.
1: The Ralph. See, I was very impressed with the Ralph from last season. I, re, I thought yeah. the upside on him, Along, Michael Bradley was a great sign. I thought of the young guys. To me, he was the standout last season. Yeah. Right until he got hurt. Um, but again, he's we haven't seen him this year, so it's really hard to give him to judge if he's if he can step in. Um, I think there's there's a lot of ex- expectations that one of these two can do it, or maybe uh, you know between the two of them, you know, allowing one to get a start one week then you know rotating like it could be something like that but i kind of want to see somebody with a little bit more flair to their game you know somebody that's going to keep the other team's midfielders and defenders on their toes you know again who's that who can link up with the ozo and pause and and you know maybe add a, be a little bit more of a threat
0: i got you i got you um the reason I asked that I actually had a really candid conversation today with Ralph Briso, um, and yeah, it, it's been a it's been a rough stretch for Ralph. Obviously, dating back all the way to last season, and then of course his first start this year, he is only on the pitch for like three four minutes. So it, it's been tough for him. But this is a guy who, if it had if he hadn't been injured and a meaningless, meaningless play, he'd be on Canada's radar right now. He he said today he probably would have got a, a call-up for the Canadian men's national team. That's how good Ralph Presa was playing last year. So I know him and Bradley actually had really a really good connection last year as well. They formed a really good relationship in the middle of the park. So we have to, I think as a fan base, we have to be more patient with with a guy like Ralph, and I think we are. I don't think anyone really is writing Ralph so off right now, but I think we need to give them the opportunity to see if they can step up be one of those guys before asking to buy another midfielder, in my opinion at least. I know you're – I understand what you're saying because no, neither Noble or Ralph kind of fits the bill of the player that you're kind of asking for, and I would love to see that kind of player here too. I also do want to give them that opportunity because they are so young and they've shown both Ralph and Noble in my opinion they've shown they're capable of uh of at least hanging in this league and in Ralph's case I think his ceiling is 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 super high so we'll see kind of see how that plays out and kind of how that midfield plays out uh defense um I guess what I can say is TFC fans should be playing very close attention to napoli and genoa this weekend did i pronounce that right because i had someone in my twitter mentions telling me i just butcher genoa's name so i had to go up and go out and look it up so hopefully i'm doing a little bit better there but pay very close attention to that match um you know we've talked about them a lot on this show so just keep an eye out for an article i'm gonna drop but just that's all i'll say there. It's just keep a very close eye on that one. Sunday, big game for for Napoli. They're trying to secure that third place ahead of Juventus, while Genoa is two points in the danger zone right now. They're they're in line to be relegated, but one win in their last two matches can kind of keep them up. And you know, the guy, I'm, one of the guys I'm referring to here is Domenico Crescito, little Crescito, who TFC obviously, you know, they they had talks with him. They they agreed to a deal with him. Then Fabrizio comes out and says Crescito changed his mind. Okay. But keep an eye on that match, TFC fans. That that's I'll leave it at that. Now, moving on. TFC faces HFX Wanderers in the quarterfinal of the Canadian Championship. HFX coming up with a big 2-0 win over Guelph to advance to this quarterfinal matchup. It'll probably be the biggest game that HFX plays in its club history, taken on a team like Toronto FC, and definitely the biggest game they've hosted there in Halifax. And for one Toronto FC player in particular, that's a super special moment. I'm talking about Jacob Schaffelberg, of course. The Halifax native... He's impressed. I mean, he's not impressed, but he's drooling over the opportunity to go back and play at home in front of his home fans. Sean, what do you what do you make of this matchup, and how special do you think that moment will be for for a kid like Jacob Schaffelberg?
1: Oh, I'll touch on the, for on Jacob first. I think for him, it's. I mean. It's for him, his family, the community. I think it's going to be a dream come true, right? Like, you know, his family's obviously seen him play, but they actually, like, everyone I can imagine is going to be there. Like, everyone who's second, third cousins will be like, I'm coming to that game. Yeah. Like, it's got to be, like, you know, a very proud moment for him, the family, the community, you know, one of their own who's who, who fought and. You know, literally came out of nowhere, and all of a sudden he's he's playing professional soccer. Cause I don't think too many people in the TFC land knew about this Jacob kid prior to, like, literally when they signed. Like, who is this guy? I didn't know no, hear anything sure. about him, right? Um, so I think it's gonna be an amazing moment um, for the club. It's gotta be massive. Like, I'm a big CPL fan, and I have a very very soft spot for HFX. I'm actually planning a a, a trip out this summer to go watch uh, watch them play. Mm-hmm
0: maybe you should go on may 24th
1: you know i if i could i would um if it wasn't like that's the only disappointing thing about the canadian championship games that they're midweek and it makes it hard to you know like last minute no sean you don't have a
0: life come on i know i don't have a life you gotta do
1: (laughs) wish eh? i wish it was that simple but yeah no i i i'm gonna be watching for sure like i'll take off as soon as I can from work, come straight home and sit back. And whether TFC wins or not, I'm going to be happy just the fact that like Halifax finally gets to play a big club like TFC, their fans get to experience like, you know, their fans are great watching the way they support that team, the way they they're loud every, like I think that even TFC will have an appreciation for a place like Halifax. And I think all the players will appreciate playing in that pitch and appreciate the, the environment, the fan base. And I think for both clubs, it'll be beneficial.
0: So i will put you on the spot here. Give me a score prediction.
1: Uh,
0: 3-1 Toronto. 3-1 Toronto. This is a Toronto FC side that doesn't have a road win since last July. Yeah. They I got to go do it on the road.
1: You know, I mean, we all know they should have had one already. Uh, TFC 2 <laughs> won this Sunday. But can see, you know, you're assuming you're going to have, you know, majority of the guys back. Ozo should be back. Salcedo's off of... Um, Shaft should be back. The, should, he'll do whatever he can to make sure he's playing. <laughs> so we all anticipate. So I think it'll be a good game. You know, you'll have Akinola probably. By that point, we'll, we'll be ready to... Maybe he'll get a start, right? That'll be a game where you give the... A, a young Canadian like him or Jordan Cruz at the start. Caden Chung, Lucas McNaughton. They're, they, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be you know hungry to get out there and show them that, you know, they earn their, their TFC uh, deals. Right. And I think there's going to be, you know, there has to be a one or two guys on HFX that'd be like, want to show that. Yeah. You guys are the big club, but we can play with you. Aiden Daniels former t yeah he just scored a nice one um against guelph so you know he'll be he'll be hungry to show tfc that maybe they gave up on him too quickly
0: for sure and that's what the beauty of the cpl is is you can see every year they're kind of taking strides forward taking steps forward and last year we got a we got a decent indication of the measuring stick between the the cpl and tfc when tfc played york of course it was on a crazy night just full of rain so i'm not sure how much you can exactly you can take away from that game i think tfc ended up winning it 4-0. And cold and wet yeah best way to describe it and probably could get blown over if you're just walking because the wind was so strong that night tfc won 4-0 but it's probably a game that could have made a little bit uglier and then they had the pacific game and i believe that finished 2-1 with Pacific making a late push for that comeback. But again, I think that's a TFC team that dominated the majority of that match. Agreed. HFX isn't the best team in the Canadian Premier League, but I want to see how they measure up now to a, to a TFC team. I still think TFC should blow them out of the park, especially this version of TFC, which I think is the best version of TFC in over a year. So I want to see kind of where they measure up, where they stack up. But this is the beauty of these types of games. We never used to be able to have these types of games. And now with the infrastructure of the Canadian Premier League, we can now see them in a tournament like the Canadian Championship. So it's going to be a pretty special night down there in Halifax. And it's a pretty special night for Jacob Schaffelberg. I keep plugging my pieces, but of course, I'm going to have to do this piece because I had a really good conversation with Jacob. I believe it was yesterday. We had a really good conversation about what this moment kind of means to him. And he essentially said he doesn't think there's anything cooler um, that he can think of that would sort of top this moment. He said it's the coolest thing ever for him. So I'll uh I'll be putting that out a little bit closer to the game. Finally, Sean, I appreciate your time, but let's let's wrap up on one more topic and we're gonna shift gears a bit. We're gonna go to Canada soccer and the Canadian men's national team today confirming that they have set up a friendly with Iran at BC place place in Vancouver on June the 5th. That's the first game of of three in that window. They'll also play Curacao on the 9th before heading to Honduras and playing them on the 13th. So first let's start with the Iran game. What are, what's your reaction? What are your thoughts on the opponent? Do you think that Canada could get a good job here getting Iran? Um it's
1: hard to say. I guess because I've seen some people say that, you know, I guess it's kind of a, a measuring stick somewhat for what they'll face when they um play Morocco? Morocco, right. I don't know if they, you know, I don't think they're as good as a Morocco team. I don't know if they, I don't know if they play the same style. Um so that'll be interesting. Um, I mean, we've, since last week, we started to see those rumors of that game. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone ever, all the rumors were pointed in Toronto, which didn't make any sense. Um, so that's why I wasn't even believing the rumor too much. Cause it's like, why would they be playing in Toronto when they're playing the nations league in BC? Um, but uh, it, I'll definitely want to do some, some, you know, look up and see who may be a threat, what kind of, you know style they play maybe there's some video we can we can find to see if in fact it will be a good tune-up um for Canada um yeah it's kind of hard because I don't really know much about the team
0: yeah I think I don't think anyone really knows too much about Iran I don't know if many people can name more than two or three players on the Iran international team but they're ranked 21st in the world and interestingly enough they're in USA's group alongside England and potentially Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine. That's the fourth team. Kind of, We're still waiting to see how that unfolds, obviously. And on the other hand, the US, they're playing Morocco in a friendly. And I forget who it was. It might have been Ollie, Olive, Oliver Platt who pointed this out. Greg and John have been really close throughout this whole process. They've actually exchanged notes on teams and, and whatnot. So I wonder if there's any bit of... of Gainsmanship here between the two sides saying okay we'll get the rundown here on iran for you you give us the rundown in morocco and maybe that way we can get a little bit of an advantage but second to that is also iran is it, they're ahead of canada right now in the fifa in the fifa world rankings. is are a team that always plays in the world cup for the most part um they're experienced they i believe that the number one ranked side in in asia there so it's a good measuring stick for for canada because it's not like they're going to go out there and completely get blown out of the park facing a team like like germany or or france they're not facing one of those big dogs that could perhaps maybe nick their confidence nick their confidence right it's it's a team that could they could really i believe compete against and for what i've heard they play a similar style to canada where it's really high energy, high tempo. I think we've seen that also in past World Cups. So I think it's a good start, at least, for for Canada. I know they're scheduling some more friendlies. And what I'll say is they're really ambitious with the other teams that they're trying to get right now. Ambitious with a couple teams in South America, I've heard, that they're trying to land a friendly with. So stay tuned for some more men's national team friendly news. I believe that's more so to, to September okay. more, but, but we'll see kind of how that plays out, but at least it'll be a busy window, uh, curse and, and, uh, Honduras as well to wrap that up in the nation's league. And we'll see if some, some new names get called up. I saw Raheem Edwards chat or shout in the chat.
1: He, he deserved it.
0: He deserves he it. Did. He was on their short list. Uh, for the last one, John Herman did confirm that that he was eligible to kind of be called up for that final game. Um, obviously, they decided not to go that route with first place still up to gra- up for grabs for them. But he was definitely on that short list, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people who are on the fringe of that that could could see a call up come June. And another one of those guys, Jakil Rudy, potentially, but it sounds like he's going to be um, not not fit to play that those games. So. I know he was on the radar. It's unfortunate that he picked up this injury, but he should be back before Lorenzo Insigne arrives, which of course will be July second. But anyways, Sean, man, you, you took the afternoon off work for this. I can't say how much I appreciated it. I know our chat appreciates it. You absolutely fantastic, fantastic job as the co-host. And as always, make sure you guys go check out the Tunnel Club post game. Mike Newell and Sean here. Do a fantastic job there recapping, getting sort of the, the raw reaction after the matches. I know they let a few listeners as well chime in. So make sure you guys check that out on Twitter Spaces. It's also put up as a podcast on our platform as well. Sean, any any parting words from you?
1: Um, well, I just want to thank everyone for joining in. Uh, I saw one post. Uh, I appreciate the love. I'll come back <laughs> any if you guys need me or if I'm available um yeah check out the tunnel club check out uh we'll be back this sunday um so yeah home games we always do it day after away games we do it 30 30 to 35 they're
0: too hammered they're too hammered to to, co- to do there's, one coherently there's a,
1: bit, a bit of that might be part <laughs> of it and you know mike's not always there so we kind of like yeah so
0: <laughs> no i appreciate you sean and as always for your listeners here be sure to Subscribe and rate the podcast. That obviously helps so much. Make sure if you guys haven't already, go follow Toronto Till I Die on Twitter. We're independent now. No more Wake in the Red Weekly. It's Toronto Till I Die. And hopefully next week we get some of the boys back because we're, we're calling to our bench, but like Toronto FC, we, we need our starters out here sometimes, guys. So hopefully we get some of you guys back. But for now, um, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. wait and wait and baby I'm TFC till I die